Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just sang that word above all earthly powers. Your word is powerful. It is above all earthly powers. More powerful than the United States or China or all of the powers in the world combined, your word is above all of them. Lord Jesus, you uphold the universe by the power of your word. And so give us hearts of humility and trembling before it this morning. I pray that we would not come to the word putting ourselves over it, but humbly put ourselves underneath it and hear what you have to say to us and be transformed. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. And so you pray to the Father that your people would be sanctified in the truth. And then you said, your word is truth. So sanctify us this morning in the truth, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm chapter one begins with the word blessed or blessed. What is it to be blessed? What is it to be blessed? Some have said that you could put the word happy there. Happy is, excuse me, Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked and so forth. What is it to be blessed in this way? We often speak of blessings, the blessing of good health and family and job and so forth. And all of these things certainly are blessings. If you have them, you certainly feel like they're blessings. But what is the essence of this state of being blessed? that Psalm 1 wants to hit on this morning. What is the way of this blessedness? Well, the opposite of being blessed is to be cursed. The opposite of God's blessing is to be under God's cursing. To be under the covenant curse of God. And therefore, to be blessed is to be under and live under the divine blessing of God is to live under the smile of God, is to live under the, the favor of God's blessing, the blessing that comes from being in covenant with him. From the book of Hebrews, we just got done. Much of the book of Hebrews unpacks for us the reality of Christ as the mediator, the high priest of the new covenant. 
all the blessings that come to us through Christ in the new covenant where he remembers our sins no more. He writes his law on our hearts and so forth. He is our God. We are his people. To be blessed is to live in the reality of that. It's not just to know it mentally, although that's certainly important. We want to know the truth with our brains but is to live in the joyful reality of this blessing. To live, or excuse me, to be, to be blessed is to live under the divine blessing of God. And this psalm shows us the way to true blessedness. And there's essentially three, three points I want to hit on this morning. The happy, blessed person's mind and heart are being shaped by God's word. Second, the the blessed person is someone who is strong and steady and fruitful. And third, the blessed person has an optimistic outlook on the future a hope-filled outlook on the future. So let's just think through these one at a time. First, the happy, blessed person has a mind and a heart that is being shaped by God's word. Did you know something is shaping your mind and your heart? Look at verses one and two. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Is your mind and heart, your thinking and your emotional life, are these, your mind and heart, being shaped by God's truth? or by something else, because it is being shaped. Your mind is being discipled. It is. Is it being discipled by God's truth? Is that what's filling your mind and therefore transforming your heart? Or is it something else? We live in an age where there is more data, more information coming at us from more directions than ever before. I mean, you have a smartphone, you have, you have gazillions of pieces of information that you can access at any time. What is shaping your mind and heart? Is it social media? Is it your favorite political commentator? Is it your favorite Christian author and speaker? Is it pop music? Is it romance novels? Is it all of the news that's coming at us 24-7? Is it Hollywood? Is it your own private intuitions? Your mind and heart are being shaped by something or things, some things. Notice what David does not say in verses 1 and 2. He doesn't say, don't be wicked. Don't act like sinners. Don't scoff at God's truth. But rather, he focuses on the kinds of things that shape us, that shape our minds, the way that we think, that shape our hearts, the the emotional life, the interior life of our hearts. How many know that if you walk in the counsel of the the wicked, guess what? You're going to start thinking like the wicked, and you're going to begin delighting in what is wicked. 
If you stand in the way of sinners, you will begin to delight in what is sinful because it's shaping your mind and your heart. If you sit in the seat of scoffers, eventually you will find yourself a scoffer. You will become one. We know this. We know people. They used to sit next to us and be with us at church or we used to fellowship with in Christ. And now they're scoffers. It's stunning how often this happens. We are massively shaped by the sources of input we receive. Probably what is most distressing to me or been most distressing to me in all that's happened during the last four months with the COVID insanity is that many Christians have been more shaped by the media narrative of what's going on, whether from CNN or Fox News or anyone else, leading not to joy and peace and calm in Christ or a confidence in Christ, no matter what happens, but rather to panic, fear, anxiety on the one hand, or scolding, sarcasm, roughness, and judgmentalism on the other hand, and eventually spiritual death. Paul says in Romans 8, the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. It's distressing to me that many Christians are being shaped more by our culture's new and novel and secular humanistic definitions of racism and justice and mercy and love for neighbor rather than God's definition of these things. You and I are being shaped by something. Our minds, our hearts, the way that we think, the way that we feel, our emotions. The blessed person, the happy person, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't do that. The the happy person, the person living under the, the, the joyful reality of God's blessing, they don't walk in the counsel of the wicked and they don't stand in the way of sinners and they don't sit among scoffers. Verse 2 says, but, this is a big and important but. But, there's a stark contrast. David says, the happy and blessed man, the happy and blessed woman delights in the law of the Lord. The word law is the word Torah, Torah. Often, uh, Torah is just spoken of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the books that Moses wrote But generally, the the word Torah means instruction or teaching. David says, blessed is the man who delights in the instruction, the teaching, the words of the Lord. I find it interesting, he says, delights. You see, one... One way you could approach Psalm 1, one way a teacher could approach it, and one way listeners could approach it or hear it, is a teacher could just approach, come to Psalm 1 and say, read your Bible more. 
And you could just hear me say, read your Bible more. But this says the blessed person delights in the law of the Lord, finds pleasure in it, loves it, can't get enough of it. We all know what it's like to delight in something. It's been a long time since Alyssa and I have had a baby in the house. All of our kids before Grayson was born were nine or older, so it would have been some time. I delight in all of my children, but there's a peculiar delight in having a baby in the house. There's obviously challenges with that as well. But I have so delighted I know what it's like to delight. I delight in grace in our son. I delight in him. You know what it's like to delight in something. The blessed person is not the person that just reads the Bible. It's the person who delights in it, who loves it, who finds pleasure in it. Doesn't just, doesn't just, I mean, I'm all for discipline, right? Spiritual disciplines, chief of which, or certainly toward the top, is Bible reading. But it's not just a discipline. It's something that we are to delight in, something we are to find deep pleasure in. The happy and blessed person delights, finds pleasure in God's word. They love to hear God speak. The God who made them, the God who made them for fellowship, the blessed person loves to hear what he has to say. And all scripture, Paul tells us, is breathed out by God. It's not just that he spoke it at one time, but he speaks it. What the scriptures say, God says, present tense, right now. In the distant past, David was almost universally accepted as the author of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And it is so rich and it exalts the word of God unlike any other place in the scriptures. In fact, I would strongly encourage you this week, read it. Read through Psalm 119 and ask God to do in your heart what the psalmist expresses in his delight and love for God's word. David was almost universally accepted as the author, Psalm 118. We don't know for sure whether he wrote it or not, but I want you to listen to how Psalm 119, perhaps David, praises the law of God over and over again, the word of God. Psalm 119, 35 says, lead me in the path of your commandment, for I delight in it. Psalm 119, verse 47 says, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 48, I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 72, The law of your mouth is, listen to this, better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. That's amazing. And when I read that, I say amen, but I also say, Lord, do that in my heart more. 
Listen to what Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10 said. And I could go on and on in Psalm 119, but I'll stop there. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10, which we know that David wrote. Here's what he says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. The blessed person is is the, the person, the man, woman, the child. Yes, you can be a child too and love God's word. It's the person who delights in the law of the Lord, who delights in God's word. And, and it says, and on his law he meditates day and night. So it's the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it continually. And I think it's the meditation that leads to delight. It's the, the mind that's fixed on something that leads to delight. This is how the interplay of our minds and hearts seem to clearly work. What we fix our minds upon begins to shape the affections of our hearts. Isn't that, isn't that true? We know what this is like when we're, when we're facing some massive crisis. Maybe it's not really massive, but it seems massive to us. And we become so fixated upon it it almost never, well, it never leads to peace and joy. It leads to trouble, heart, anxiety, fear, and that's why we need to lift our eyes to the Lord, right? It's the serious thought-shaping activity of meditation. Not emptying your mind, that's an Eastern idea, filling your mind with God's truth, meditation, that leads to the glorious, heart-shaping joy of delight. Paul says, set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, verse 16. He said, your, your words were found by me and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Do you hear what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah searched and found the words of God. He says, they were found by me. And then he ate them. He didn't just look at them and say, those are nice words. He took them and devoured them. And then they became a joy and the delight of his heart. If you would say that you have little desire for God's word or, or maybe and or, get little out of God's word, but your exposure to God's word is a hurried 10 minutes in the morning or an often interrupted 30 minutes in the afternoon or a strictly dutiful 20 minutes at night, 
check I read today. That's why. That's why. At least that's one reason why. The blessed person, the happy man, the happy woman living under the realized blessing of God is the one who delights in God's law, meditates on it, it's shaping his mind and his heart, desires God's word. And this is the fuel that propels the blessed, happy person through life and into eternity. I mean, that, that's really what sets the stage for the rest of Psalm 1. It describes this blessed man. They, they meditate on God's word. They delight in God's word. They're, the word of God is doing its powerful work in them. Let's not, let's not forget that the spirit of God there, there's kind of, we can make this dichotomy in our minds and some people kind of actually do this like it's either word or spirit. But let's not forget that the Holy Spirit of God who is God himself is the divine author of the word. It's his word. Amen. And so when, when we're meditating and the word of God becomes our delight, then it does its powerful work in our lives. So this propels, this fuels the blessed, happy man or woman through life. So just to kind of wrap up this first point, the blessed man or woman is a man or woman or child whose mind and heart is being shaped by God's word. Second, the happy, blessed man, woman, child, because of what I just got done saying, is strong and steady and fruitful and always renewed and refreshed. And I said a lot there. It's verses three and four. Here's what it says. He is like a tree. Who's like a tree? The blessed man. The blessed man I just got done describing whose mind and heart is being shaped by God's word. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked is not so. Or the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So, the blessed person, the blessed man whose mind and heart are being shaped by God's word is strong like a tree, steady like a growing, firm oak tree planted by streams of water. I don't know much about trees. I know that willow trees need a lot of water. We have a willow tree in our yard. And apparently there's lots of water underneath that because the last five years it has taken off. And so maybe I should say like a willow tree because I don't know if oak trees need a lot of water or not. Probably, but. So the blessed person is strong and steady like a tree, always nourished, planted by streams of water. The blessed man is fruitful Right? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. 
It's important to recognize that David is saying the life of the blessed person is like a tree that produces fruit, not like a worker that goes and picks fruit. A tree produces fruit. Comes out of him, her. Supernaturally, I was going to say naturally, but it's supernaturally. It's by the work of God's spirit. Producing fruit. Psalm 1, again, says that all this is the, the work of the word of God. Delighting in and meditating on the word of God produces fruit. Jesus tells us in John 15 that fruitfulness comes from abiding in him and abiding in his word. And Galatians 5 says that the source of our fruitfulness is ultimately the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you see someone abounding in this fruit, when you see someone you are, you are seeing someone who is living under the blessing of God. Yes. Becoming more like Christ. The blessed person, going, moving on through verse three again, the blessed person is continually renewed. I, just, I thought about this phrase this week a little bit. Because um, it's maybe not quite as obvious. Um, the blessed person is evergreen, always green. Right? Its leaf does not wither. The fruit bears, the, the tree bears fruit in season, but the leaf never withers. It does not wither. That's not the way things work in Iowa. An apple tree produces its apples and then the leaves on the tree fall to the ground and die and gives lots of us a lot of work to do in the fall to clean up our yards. The blessed man who delights in the word of God is perpetually renewed. Always. I was going to say perennially, but that that would be just like every year at a certain time, but perpetually renewed, always renewed, revived again and again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, it's the word of God that does this work, and it's no no surprise. Since Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And finally, the blessed, happy person prospers in all that he does. In all that he does, he prospers. Think of the story of Joseph. You know, one way I want to encourage you not to take this psalm is that the blessed person is the person that everything goes just like they plan. Because that's not true. I think of the story of Joseph. You guys remember the story of Joseph? His brothers sold him into slavery. He was taken down to Egypt um, while he was in Egypt, he, he, he worked in the house of Potiphar and was the man of the house, really, under Potiphar. There was no one higher than him, and yet Potiphar's wife, I won't go into all of it, she accused him of something terrible. He was thrown in jail. He spent some time in jail. He made his way up in the ranks in jail, but was forgotten. 
But it says something in the story of Joseph. It says something along the lines of everything he put his hands to, God caused to prosper. In all of the hardship he went through, God caused the things he put his hand to to prosper. And that's the way that it is for the blessed man, the blessed woman. None of this is true of the wicked, though. Verse 4 says, Not so with the wicked, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So those who turn away from the word of God, those who will have none of it, This is not true for them. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. I'll never forget the first time I drove across South Dakota in the dead of summer as an adult. Alyssa was pregnant with Eden. We were on the way to visit my grandparents. My grandma was about to pass away. She was very sick. And so we made our way to to North Dakota and we drove all the way across South Dakota and then up into the western part of North Dakota. And if you've ever driven, there's lots of open interstate travel, nothing to block the wind, and I was amazed at how much stuff blew across the interstate. (laughs) Tumbleweed, uh, refuse from the fields, I mean, just amazing. That's what the wicked are like. And when I say, when, when Psalm 1 talks about the wicked, it's not people that are especially bad, but it's those who reject God, or we would say those who reject Christ. They're unsteady, blowing around with every wind of doctrine, frightened by every bad report, driven by the winds of controversy and difficulty, like uprooted, dead, light as a feather debris, blowing in the wind. That's what the wicked are like. But the happy, blessed person is strong, fruitful, and always renewed, which is a product of the word of God that is delighted in and meditated on. Number three, the blessed, happy person looks ahead to the future with great optimism, with great hope. Of course, David contrasts again the blessed, happy Man with the wicked or ungodly. Verses five and six say this. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the the wicked will perish. The future for the ungodly and wicked is bleak. The future for those who hate God is not bright. The future for those who hate God's word is not bright. The word perishing here, where it says the way the wicked will perish, um, doesn't mean just to physically die. It means to be eternally destroyed, eternally perish. The scriptures are clear that, the, that ultimately to perish apart from Christ is to be eternally destroyed 
which I think is in, is in view here in Psalm chapter 1. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. The person whose life is shaped by God's word, however, delighting in it, meditating on it, and whose life is bearing the fruit of the gospel will have a bright outlook when they gaze at the future. It says of the, of the, the, the woman, Proverbs 31, the, the perfect woman, right? It says she is not afraid of the future. And that describes every man and woman who delights in God's word, meditating on it day, to, day and night. It's not that we don't have fits at times, but we, get, we, we, we readjust our thinking and our affections according to God's word. We realign our hearts with what God says and we look at the future unafraid. No matter what. Not because we know the future, of course we do not. But because our Lord holds it in his hands. Look again at what the first part of verse six says. It says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. I think when he, when he changes from the blessed man to, to righteous, I think he's talking with the same person. Just another way of describing the man, the woman who delights in God's word. The word, the Hebrew word know is yada, and it means to know intimately or personally. Back in Genesis, it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and conceived and gave birth. So it's this intimate, personal knowledge. So it's not talking about God simply taking in information in a passive way. Like he looks and sees what we're doing and says, oh, I, I, I know them, I know their path, I see the path that they're on. It means that God is intimately involved in the path of the righteous. He intimately knows the godly man and woman who's trusting in him, holding on to his word, loves and delights in God's word, meditating on it day and night. He knows their path. He knows their way. He knows the road that they're on. And he knows because he's there with them, leading and guiding them on the way. The way that leads to his glorious presence forever. And if you are you belong to God. If you belong to Christ, if you are this man or woman who delights in God's word, if you're this young person who delights in God's word, then you can be absolutely assured that you are on the path that leads to eternal joy in the presence of Christ forever. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And all of this is traced back to, all of, again, all of this is traced back to the blessed man, the blessed woman, the happy person who delights in and meditates on the word of God, right? All of it's traced back to that, isn't it? The mind that's being shaped by God's word through meditation, the heart that's being enlarged and shaped 
by God's word through delight. It's the word of God that leads to Christ and brings life, refreshing, fruitfulness, renewal, and ultimately eternal life. And if we would be the blessed men and women, children, if we want blessed families, if we would be blessed and fruitful and prosper in all of our ways, we must be men, women. As parents, we must bring our kids up in this. Families, we must be a church that is built upon God's word. Not just something we put on a sign, but something that we seek God to give us this deep desire and delight in it. Meditating on God's word, delighting in it, strengthened by it, bearing fruit because of it, and on the road to eternal enjoyment in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, grant us this, I pray, through your Son, Jesus.